Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, it's all about this year. We'll talk to the voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He fills me in about Quinn Snyder. And I have the feeling that the Falcons are going to make an upgrade. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts... Now, Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser when you get there. Hit that subscribe button. We are also free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get all of your favorites. Also, Roku and Amazon Fire. You can check us out on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. So, One of the things that was brought up yesterday is the uniqueness of Quinn Snyder taking over a team with 21 games to go. So this late in the year, making a push and different things like that. So don't think for the short term, too long term and down the road and everything else. Okay, For right now, this team needs a spark. This this team needs a spark. And it was very clearly made that they were not giving up on the season. They were not throwing in the towel. This isn't just about player evaluation, coaching evaluation. This is about win-now mode. And I think that comes, again, directly from Tony Ressler, that we are not sacrificing this season. We're going to be a a good team. We're going to be a playoff team. We need to try to get up into the sixth seed, you know, and, and as Bogey Bogdanovich said the other day, winning solves everything, right? Winning solves everything. So while we can look to the future and how the roster is going to be constructed and all of these different mantras, for this last 21 games, it's full tilt boogie win now mode. It, it's it's pedal to the metal, foot to the floor, they're trying to win right now because, you know, as we've also we've often said this on the podcast, that they have a really good starting five. And when their starting five comes together, they can play with anybody in the NBA. And when you have DeJounte Murray and Trey Young in unison working together with one another, that backcourt is lethal. Again, over the weekend, 121 points and 29 assists for this backcourt. You get those two guys rocking and rolling, they can play with anybody in the league. Now, you know, again, when you get into a series with Boston or Milwaukee, if that's who it ends up being, worry about all of that down the road. But for right now, this is about we've got to get a spark. We've got to light a fire under these guys. So far, so good. Two wins, right? And and when you have the majority of your games at home, that plays into the Hawks as well, right? You expect them to be a better team at home. 
tonight against Washington, another home game, right? You know, it's it's going to be Portland coming in on Friday. So you've got an accumulation, even these last, you know, when, when we started all this with 23 games, I believe it was 14 home and nine on the road. So you're accumulating a, a, a plethora of home games, but you're in win-now mode. They want to spark. They want to get this season on track. They want to live up to some of the expectation that this roster has. And it's it's not a matter of panic mode about this year, but you may or may not have a long-term existence with DeJounte Murray. You know, you go into next year in DeJounte Murray's walk year, and whether or not the, the Hawks re-sign him or bring him back or anything like that, that's still up in the air and that's still up for debate, and that'll be all off-season stuff. So while you have DeJounte Murray for this year, next year, you have to maximize all of that. You have to maximize what this lineup and what these guys can do. And again, so far, so good. Two wins. You beat the uh, Nets. You beat Cleveland. Okay. Now you handle your business against Washington. Certainly Portland coming west to east. That's another team you can, you know, pick off as well. Oh, by the way, don't forget Cam Reddish will be in Atlanta on Friday. So he'll actually be on the court, you know, unlike when he's in New York. But anyway, um, but this is all about win-now mode. You, you can't think too far down the road. You, you can't think about, well, what are we going to do in a year? What are we going to do in two years? You know, Quinn, Quinn's going to bring us down. For right now, they're trying to get through this 21 games and win as much as possible and get that seating. And I don't have a problem with that. I, Again, we can't get to the future until we handle the right now of everything. And so with that, that's and I think this comes again. I've said this consistently. I think this comes directly from Tony Ressler. The idea that you hired a coach in five days, the idea that you paid a coach top-tier money, you know, again, the coaches that are in that bracket money-wise with Quinn Snyder, Nick Nurse Championship, Bud Championship, Steve Kerr Championship, Doc Rivers Championship, Spolstra Championship. You paid him championship coach-level money. You bring him in that quick. You bring an outsider into the organization. And I know he was here before, but I'm talking about somebody that wasn't within your coaching circle, that that you haven't just elevated up like Prunty, like a, a guy that you elevated, or with Nate McMillan the way that you did it a couple years ago. That's why all of this was done, that they – and I know it's kind of crazy to think about and what can you what can you learn in 21 games and how can they brother I don't I, there may be relationship things and stuff that you build and chemistry and different things like that but much like the message that Landry Fields had for Joe Prunty when he took over was do what you have to do to win basketball games I'm giving you the authority to do what you have to do to win games. That's their mantra right now. That's that's how that they operate. And they look at this roster, and I think Tony Wrestler looks at, I'm paying a lot of money to these guys. I have a really good roster, maybe not the deepest team in the NBA, but, you know, Sadiq Bay and guys that they picked up at the deadline, right? You know, those are guys that can help, and they look and say, wait a second, shouldn't we be in the, you know, maybe – top half of the 
Eastern Conference are certainly in a better stead than what we are. So don't get this twisted. Yes, long-term, you can think about that down the road. But for right now, this is all about what the Atlanta Hawks can do in this 21 games, improving their lot in life, improving their stead, and getting this thing on track and lighting a fire underneath these guys and creating that spark to where this franchise gets to where it wants to be. And again, swinging that pendulum, as I've always said, swinging that pendulum back toward we were in the Eastern Conference Finals where it has swung greatly to the other side of we're not a very relevant franchise. They want to get that pendulum back on the other side, and that's why Snyder's here. That's why he's coaching tonight. That's what this 21 games is all about. It's about win-now mode. We'll figure out everything else down the road with this franchise. I want to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel.com is America's number one sports book, and we're through the all-star break. We're headed to the last little bit of the regular season for the NBA. we got NBA playoffs coming out. When you go to FanDuel.com today, you get your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to props to scores, everything that you can think of. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance with the same game parlay where you can win even more. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, the Hawks introduced Quinn Snyder yesterday as their 15th head coach in franchise history, and he had a lot of different things to say, so we get ready for him to be on the sidelines tonight as they take on the Washington Wizards, Hawks and Wizards tonight, and uh, we welcome into the program the current voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, is joining us, and you can follow David on his Twitter page, at DLock09, and David, thank you so much for being a, a part of the program. And, um, you know, this this certainly came down very quickly, uh, bringing Quinn Snyder in. I mean, this was less than a week before, you know, we blew out the last coach and brought in a new one. So what does Quinn Snyder bring to the Hawks? What's the biggest strength that he brings to this Hawks team? One of the most unique, that's bad English, so I'll start off right there. This is one of the unique brains of the of the world and the nba um it, it would actually short sight him if you call his brain um unique for the nba this is a guy who got his jd law degree and his mba at duke this is uh i've spent that's nothing sees everything um it, it's an incredible it's an incredible brain to be around on a daily basis. One of the fastest moving uh, I've ever been around. Uh, his ability to take in information and, as I said, recall it is maybe second to none. Uh, he's really, it's really something else. So this is a, a truly unique person to be running your franchise. 
You know, Cal Corver uh, talked about yesterday, and, and he's been kind of on record that, first off, he was kind of the lead dog where he reached out to Quinn Snyder, but he called him an offensive savant and a master of the pick and roll. Is that obviously the sense that you get that this guy is more than just a good offensive coach? He is an offensive savant? I have to have been at every practice, most every practice for seven years. He and I were also personally very close, so I'm fortunate enough to have done a multitude of dinners with him. We were I was at his house when I think it might have been well over 200. This understanding of spacing and angles, if you do a Google search, you can actually find, a, I think, a 16-page basically dissertation that he wrote for some European basketball magazine on the pick and roll probably some 15, 18 years ago now. Um, absolutely. Uh, and I think defensively as well, frankly, you know, I think the best way to characterize Quinn Snyder is while in Utah, he had the number one offense one year and a number one defense at a different year. Uh, and he had rosters that, that changed in between all of those different things. And he always found a way to figure out how to play it. I, I think you win five to six games a year because he's your head coach. That is that there's been, you know, at, whether it's real or perceived, but there has been friction between Trey Young, who's, you know, one of the superstar players in this league, and he's paid like a superstar player, one of, I guess, 11 uh, Supermax guys in the league. How much of, how much did Quinn Snyder play into the relationship of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, star players for the Utah Jazz organization? How much did he play into that relationship in getting those guys better? Because that's obviously what we want with Trey Young is, for head coach and star player to be on the same page with one another. Great to Quinn. Um, I was a benefactor of it. There's an authenticity. The most important characteristic to Quinn Snyder in the world is authenticity. Uh, I apologize. I think you're getting that squeak in the background a little bit, and I, I'll do my best to keep There's not a lot I can do about it, so I, I'm sure you're getting that squeak every now and then. Um there's uh, authenticity is what matters to Quinn Snyder. It matters to him in his dealings with Landry Fields and Kyle Korver. It's probably why he chose to come to Atlanta is because he believed they were authentic. It matters to him in the dealings with the ownership, and it matters to him in dealing with his players. It's, it's the single characteristic to Quinn Snyder that matters more than anything else. And if Trey Young is willing to be authentic – with Quinn Snyder, they'll be fine. If Trey Young tries to fool Quinn Snyder and play him a fool, that will not work. You cannot play Quinn Snyder a fool. When when you look at when you look at this team, besides, I mean, obviously dealing with the star, are there other guys that you look at on this Hawks roster that could really benefit from a Quinn Snyder? Can a John Collins or a Clint Capella, can can some of these other players really benefit from what Quinn Snyder brings to this team? be unfair to Nate, who I also happen to know well. Um, this has been actually personally weird to me because I'm super close with Joe Bundy and his wife, Laura. So this has been a weird little week to watch all this take place. Nate, when I was with Nate in Seattle, 
and this may be unfair because I haven't been with Nate since, you know, it's a long time ago. When, when Nate, Nate in that period of time, his, his mantra was don't beep with the game. Don't beep with the game. Play hard, play right, don't beep with the game. It's incredibly important. If you don't do that, nothing else works. Um, the, the next step on that is Quinn Snyder is about as different than that. He obviously doesn't want you to beep with the game. But Quinn Snyder's magic is his creativity and plays, his where position he's putting players in, <clears throat> maximizing each of his talents in a different way than the Nate I knew. Nate, that's a pretty bread and butter coach when I knew it who wants you to play hard. And you saw when he took over for Lloyd Pierce, the impact of that possibly. So I do think that John Collins and a Kongu Clint Capella's will play mini Rudy Gobert role and probably really prosper. I think those guys will be put in unique situations and probably better situations than they have been put in before to thrive offensively. That might be a little unfair to Nate and the past staff. I mean it more as a compliment to what Quinn does than a criticism of, of them. So one of the comments that John Collins had when he did his press conference last week talking to the media was maybe Nate's message would be better for an older team, for, for a more veteran team. And I think the Hawks are the sixth youngest in age in the NBA. I think they're the seventh youngest in amount of years of experience for a team. Is Quinn Snyder a guy that can – I guess, relate to the younger guys? Does he connect with younger players? Is is that also one of his strengths, that, that he can relate and, and kind of communicate with those guys on a better basis? So, I mean, that's exactly what Quinn did with the younger players, with Trey Burke and Dante Exum with the Jazz. That was not a particular – he built it up fast. I mean, fast enough. You forget then Donovan and Rudy were young, and they came under Quinn and developed under Quinn. So that's completely what he does. I would quibble a little bit. With what John Collins had to say, Nate took that young team to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're not if they didn't respond now, I don't think it's because he's like not good with a young team. Uh, I think it might be on them. So I would quibble a little bit with John Collins there. I would say to Quinn, back to where we started, that taking in information, incredible ability to do that, that manifests as well with people. He just knows where everyone is and how they're feeling. And if something's wrong, if you're off, it's uncanny. It, you can see it, you know, on a practice court, there's four practice courts. They've all got guys on it. He'll be on one when then suddenly you can notice he picks something up that's happening, you know, across the court in the furthest spot away. And he'll run over there, work with someone that their foot angle was wrong on that, and then run back over to another court where he noticed something else. He's doing the same thing with people. He's just aware. Like if your body language is off, you're not feeling right, he'll quickly grab it. He does it with broadcasters, he does with coaches, he does with players. He's one of the most remarkable humans I've ever been around in my lifetime. Last question for you, Dave. I had Andy Larson on my show, on my radio show last night, and he brought up something very interesting that he believed that Quinn Snyder wants to definitely have a hand in personnel decisions and helping shape and form the roster. Now, we didn't hear that he was made president of basketball operations like Budenholzer, like Travis Schlenk, or anything like that. But do you get the sense that 
you know, Quinn is also one of those guys that is a really hands-on guy, wants to shape, wants to formulate the roster, wants to have a voice and input into what happens, you know, off the court as well. He's working for Landry. I thought the most interesting part of the press conference is him talking about that he that he believed in Landry. Um, he and Kyle are super close. Juliet and Amy, Quinn's wife is Amy. Juliet is Kyle's wife, are very close. Um, they used to take the kids up skiing together. Um, so they're very close. Uh, he has to believe Landry in Landry, but he also has to believe that Landry will listen to him. Um, you know, Quinn's not the easiest one to handle either because that brain is that incredible. So, you know, Kyle's aware of that. Landry's going to have to become aware of it and be able to really communicate with Quinn and make sure he feels represented in everything that's going on or the, or the marriage won't work. David Locke is the voice of the Utah Jazz. David, thanks so much for being a, a part of the show. And uh, listen, it's going to be interesting. 21 games to go for the Hawks. Uh, let's see if they can make a move. So thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Happened in the first 21 games. It will happen in the upcoming years. That will be a wildly successful tenure. The big loser in this deal is the San Antonio Spurs. Those draft picks won't be worth a lot when Quinn Snyder's your head coach. Thanks so much, David. So I have a feeling that the Atlanta Falcons are going to make a, a move to upgrade their quarterback position. Now, why do I think that? Everybody in this organization, you've seen like the Washington Commanders, right? The Washington Commanders, they cut Carson Wentz, and they've made Sam Howell their young quarterback, QB1, going into the offseason, going into workouts, going into spring, whatever, you know, OTAs, what whatever that they are doing, right? But Arthur Smith has been very kind of coy or maybe he just doesn't believe in Ritter. I, I don't know what the issue is, but he said uh, through the team's website the other day, quote, we're not naming any starters right now. There are a lot of things that can happen. We're very excited about Dez, no different than we are about Tyler Algier and Drake London and the improvements that they've made and guys who are currently on our roster. As always, all options are on the table. Anything that we can do to improve this team and help us win and to ultimately win championships, that's what we're looking for. Now, <laughs> I just get this sense that they are looking to still upgrade the quarterback position. Whether you want to say that's Lamar Jackson, whether you want to say it's Justin Fields, whether you sign another veteran, whether you draft a C.J. Stroud in the first round. I, I just think it's interesting that they are not willing to say Desmond Ritter is our QB1. Now, does it really make that big of a difference? No. But when you look at that he's going to be the only quarterback on the roster and, and – you know, he's all by himself and alone and the last man standing through all of this kind of stuff. Wouldn't you think that if they believed in what he did the last four games and we saw improvement over the last four games, right? Week to week to week to week, he got better and better and better and finished two and two. 
during the regular season in that last four-game stretch. Wouldn't you think that – because, again, you could always change it. I mean, you could always not, you know, have him QB1. But it is interesting that they just are hesitant. And and this goes back to even what Arthur Blank said a couple weeks ago. Well, we believe he's a leader and this and that, and we're impressed by his leadership and, and different things. But even Arthur Blank didn't, you know, really talk about the idea – of QB one. And I understand that that's Arthur Smith's play that he's the guy who make him quarterback one, but he was sort of non-committal about, you know, Desmond Ritter being our starter. You know, let me put, let me put it this way. Arthur blank would not have said that about Matt Ryan. So it does make me wonder if they're going to try to upgrade at quarterback, whether or not they trade up in the draft. You know, there's been rumors about, if the Bears are willing to get rid of the number one pick overall in the draft, you know, then maybe, maybe they, maybe they're willing to to do all that. Maybe the Falcons are in a position where they may want to move up. I don't believe all that stuff. There's just too much draft capital to give up when you do that. But more than just, you know, if we say Taylor Heineke, more than if we just say. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, bringing in one of those kinds of veterans. You know, Arthur Blank dipped his toe into Sean Waters, you know, well last year, and and he was going to go into that into that water. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they either draft a quarterback, if they stay at eight, if they draft a quarterback, or if they go in the free agent market and make a big play on a quarterback. I just have this sense that, while everybody's excited about Desmond Ritter and they all say how excited they are and this, that, and the other, then why don't you just make him QB1? It wouldn't be that. And and if you drafted a guy or signed Lamar Jackson, then you know that that guy's going to be QB1. Why not just give him the reins right now, even if it is temporary, even if it is during the offseason, no matter what? It would be very easy just to go with Desmond Ritter and say, okay, we're moving forward with you. You know, if there's a bigger, better deal that's that's out there in the works, we'll explore all of that. I mean, they did that with Matt Ryan last year. I mean, they, they were looking to upgrade at quarterback and and just, you know, it ended up happening that Matt said, eh, you know what? I, I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna be involved in all this and I'm gonna, you know, work myself into a trade and all that stuff. But it's just very interesting that their verbiage isn't about saying, hey, we're going to make Desmond Ritter QB1. You know, now, again, we all know that Drake London is going to be wide receiver one, right? We all know that. That's that's not it doesn't even have to be explained. But when it comes to your quarterback and there's these kinds of questions about it, then it makes you wonder about, okay. You know, are they looking at making a move? Are they looking to upgrade? And maybe they won't. Maybe they'll roll with Desmond Ritter. Maybe, you know, again, last year, Deshaun Watson failed. Matt Ryan wanted out. And then you were stuck with Marcus Mariota. And then, you know, Desmond Ritter took over later in the year. Maybe that's kind of how it'll play out. But I think that they want to find themselves in a better position. If not for Arthur Smith or for Terry Fontenot, Certainly from Arthur Blank's perspective about having that footing with your franchise quarterback, because by and large, 
He had Matt Ryan. He had Michael Vick. He had those kinds of guys that could be the face of your franchise and your franchise QB. He's not known a whole lot. And, and, and he sees when you don't have a quarterback. When you have Joey Harrington and Byron Leftwich and, you know, Doug Johnson and Kirk Kittner and those kinds of guys, when you're stuck in that kind of mode, and I'm not saying Desmond Ritter isn't better than those guys, but when you're kind of stuck without your franchise quarterback, you see that your wheels spin in the NFL. You can't get over that hump. No matter what you do, you can't get over that hump because quarterback is so important. So I feel like that they may be in the market to really make an upgraded quarterback, whether via draft, whether Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. I just get this sense that the fact that they are not willing to just say Desmond Ritter's our QB1 makes me feel like that they are looking at upgrading that position. Well, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com and put Locked On Sports Atlanta into the search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, whatever your favorites are. Check us out there. We also are on Roku and Amazon Fire. You can check us out on those platforms. And then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.